I just want to win. Uh, you know, I, I want to, you know, mess up the draft. You know, I, I don't want the first pick. You know, I, I want to, I want to win all these games. So, uh, you know, they, I want everybody to be mad at me for that. He's a tough guy. He ran it at Louisville. He ran all the way to the Heisman Trophy, and um, he makes you very, very um, cautious as to what coverages you call, how you rush. But it's not just Jackson. I mean, they got they got good receivers, Marshall Yonda. They got a good offensive line. They're physical, and they need this game. This is a big game for them, so it'll be a challenge. What's up, Vegas Nation? It's time for another episode here of the podcast. Week 12 of the NFL season is about to get underway, and we have the 2-8 and eight Raiders now. We can finally put a 2 in front of their season. It's good for the Raiders to get that second win on the road against Arizona. This week, they stay on the road and will face the Baltimore Ravens, who are 5-5 five and five right now. So heading into uh, Maryland, the Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens last met in week five of 2017 in October, and the Raiders lost that game 30-17. to 17. But we're looking forward to maybe, as Derek Carr says, he's not giving up on the season. He doesn't want to play for the number one draft pick. He wants to play to win. So he's going into that game with this mentality. And right now we are going to welcome my partners in crime. We have Gilbert Manzano joining us here in How's studio. How's it going, Heidi? Very good. Thank you. And also today we're joined with Megan Alevi from Fox. She's Hi. joining us as a NFL and UFC reporter. So thank you, Megan, for coming in. Thanks for having me. We're very happy to have you. And of course, last but not least, Michael Gelkin. We have Michael as well on the phone, our Raiders beat writer. Michael, getting ready for Thanksgiving. I saw you were out doing some things in the community. The Raiders were handing out uh, turkeys and Thanksgiving meals to... Uh, different people that were in need. What was it like to be a part of that experience this week? It was awesome. It also is a bit complex. It's amazing because you see Raiders offensive linemen do something that they've done pre for previous years. This is the fifth time that the offensive line has pulled money together just between themselves and then provided with those funds 125 turkey dinners for Thanksgiving that are just so needed for these families in need. And it's amazing to see that. Uh, it's also amazing to think that one day these will be families in Las Vegas that are the beneficiaries beneficiaries to that tradition. It's also just sad, though, because you're reminded by the reality of, of relocation. You see what it means to these people from Oakland and around the East Bay to receive these Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, spoke to one woman on Tuesday evening, minutes after she received you know, turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, I mean, everything that you would need to have a Thanksgiving dinner for her family of five. And she's holding her infant daughter, and her daughter's wearing a, a black silver, uh, pardon me, a black Raiders jacket with a silver headband. And the mom starts crying a bit because without this Thanksgiving dinner, she says, they wouldn't have had, or without this donation, they wouldn't have had a Thanksgiving dinner. And it's just sad to think that, you know, when you see what the Raiders mean in the community, that the Raiders won't be here past 2019. It's just, you know, not to get 
kind of downer. Uh, but I just think when we talk about the Raiders coming to Las Vegas, it's it's exciting for so many people. The new stadium, uh, the community outreach that already has begun. But on the other side of it, you're just reminded about they're also leaving a place that's been home to them, and they mean so much to so many people here. And the Raider fans, we'll have to give them this, like they've been so faithful throughout the years with the team moving from Los Angeles and then Oakland and now to Vegas. It's something that I think as the team has moved that the fan base has stayed pretty much loyal. You do have every now and then, like Ed, Ed Graney and I, who's our columnist here, we've gone out to many different cities and done interviews like fans on the street, uh, even as far as London, where we ran into a lot of local fans and some other fans from just around the country and the states and so many of them said that they'll follow that team no matter what there was a guy there uh, I can't remember his name but I remember he was from Monterey California and he said that no matter where the team has been that he's going to stick as a Raider fan so um, it's a good thing for Vegas that there's so much and when I drive here I come off of D Street and when I do that in Las Vegas you go by the Mission Chapel and where everybody is out waiting in line for food and it's something that I, I think that hopefully when the Raiders do come to our town that they will be able to provide to the community here that's also in need like you said it is a little bit um, of a downer that the Oakland the Oakland community will lose this, but hopefully the Raiders keep some roots there as well with community involvement and maybe have some sort of gathering where they come together uh, once a year just to kind of pay tribute to the city. I don't know if that's something that's in their cards, but that would be nice. Definitely be nice. But I think um, for this show, we're going to get into the Raiders' second W, what happened in Arizona, how much Carr has kind of openly stated, like I said in the beginning, we heard that soundbite in the beginning about um, the fact that he doesn't want to play for a draft pick. We'll also have Gilbert Manzano on to talk about Draft picks and uh, draft Gilbert, time. Yeah, Gilbert. Uh, and I, I do want to say that this is Gilbert's last show with us. He'll be moving on. And Gilbert's I, I, been. I thought no more sad stuff. What happened? I, I, I want to get it out. want to get it out. It's going to be a it. sad show, Heidi. No, you're not going to have a sad show. We have Megan here, and she's going to bring the sunshine. That's right. That's so. I'm, like, super depressed. No, just kidding. No. no. Okay, let's get out of depressed mode. Uh, Michael, when we talk about the Raiders' second win, yeah, that's exciting, right? Um, today, though, the Raiders did an interesting move in practice, moving it to an off-site facility that was, uh, according, I think, to your tweet, Gruden's decision, and that uh, media wasn't allowed to watch the session. Like, how often does that happen? Well, I... It's relevant to talk about what happened last week where due to the air quality so adversely affected from campfire about 140 miles northeast of the Raiders headquarters, but just blanketed the Bay Area with smoke, unhealthy, very unhealthy, almost hazardous air quality in Oakland. Uh, it, It caused the Raiders to cancel their outdoor practice at their team facility, go on via bus um, this short little excursion to what essentially is an ice rink that they had a field put on there. And so there were no hash marks there were no numbers there were no goalposts. And instead of having, you know, guys running around and, and doing practice, it was just a walkthrough on Thursday and Friday. And so the Raiders went from having three scheduled practices to just one. So here we are. Air quality is significantly better uh, due to changing winds and it's it's raining and it's just uh, significantly better in that regard. Yet on Wednesday, a bit of a 
curveball from John Gruden. He decided to have them get back on the bus, go indoors, off-site, uh, back to the rink. Is it because they just won for the first time since September 30th? I don't know. Uh, maybe he thinks the mental preparation, guys locking in, is advantageous to them. Uh, but we haven't had a chance to ask him about that. He made the decision official after his news conference, and so we weren't able to ask him about just the logic behind it. But uh, yes, for the third straight scheduled practice, the Raiders were not viewable to reporters, and they were not outdoors. They were in an indoor rink-slash-grassy field on which they held a walkthrough. Well, I think if you are looking at it from the perspective of the team stepping up and needing that extra focus, that it definitely worked, especially in terms of defense. You had Gary Connolly, Carl Joseph, both get interceptions last week. Maurice Hurst, again, keeping up with the sacks, getting to the quarterback. That was a, a big, uh, important stepping stone for the Raiders. They moved it up to nine on the sack Close meter. Close to ten. They're almost getting a ten. <laughs> almost Six games to go for double digits. <laughs> exactly. And now uh, there's word that maybe, maybe they get just Ellis back that would be a huge addition to that line if he is able to return do you have any update on that Michael well I reported last week that he was going to return to practice this week um, I think that's the plan I don't know by not having been at practice whether or not he was there for the walkthrough but when I spoke to him on Wednesday uh, he said yeah that's the plan so I assume that he's out there um, but as for going back into the full swing of playing an NFL game that seems unlikely uh, in terms of his his availability on Sunday. Uh, he's just really mastered making football moves in his rehab, and he is ready to join his teammates. But he hasn't been in pads since the September 10 season opener against the Rams in the very in the third quarter, early in the second half. He tripped over Derek Johnson, the team's then linebacker and co-captain. Uh, because Johnson slipped in the baseball-slash-football right. Frankenstein turf, <laughs> and that resulted, in terms of uh, J- Justin Ellis tripping over him, uh, a foot strain that has sidelined him for several weeks. And so uh, to think that he can go from no practice and all that span to, you know, with the Wednesday walkthrough not helping matters, uh, to go into the action on, on Sunday – I, that's hard for me to say that that's what's going to happen. So it, theoretically, it is possible, but it really depends on how he looks, and that's not that's something the Raiders are going to decide right here on a Wednesday. You know, they want to see Thursday, Friday before they would make that decision. And again, uh, we'll have to see whether or not they find it worth their time to put Justin Ellis onto the field that soon. Well, on the flip side, there's a lot of question marks at wide receiver. The Raiders still trying to make some moves that will fill some of the holes left by guys like Jordy Nelson and Martavis Bryant being injured. Uh, I heard, uh, I read actually from your article that's in the Review Journal. You can find all of Michael's stuff on ReviewJournal.com. Anything to do with Raiders, it'll be there. That they are going to bring back Keon Hatcher to help with the ever dwindling wide receiver core uh, as. Derek Carr put it after the win over Arizona. It's like Thanos reached out and touched the wide receivers, and they're all just kind of fizzling away. Uh, what can you tell us? I, I read also that Johnny Holton's been elevated to the 53-man roster. Um, what can you tell us about the wide receiver core? Um, how are they going to work out the, the positions come Sunday against the Ravens? Yeah, I could probably talk about them for a full hour just because it's <laughs> such an interesting 
position group, and they've been through the ringer via, via trade of Mari Cooper. In the third quarter, Brandon LaFell suffers a season-ending Achilles injury, and he was the guy who stepped up for Mari Cooper in that X receiver spot. Uh, they had Marcel Aitman, who is working in the X, and he had a great first game. His, his NFL debut, four catches on five targets, 50 yards, including a 32-yarder on the game-winning drive. Uh, but they still just don't have the weapons that Derek Carr really needs to have this offense be consistent and for this team to be competitive. And so Keon Hatcher comes back. He's probably my favorite story of the season in terms of what he's been through. If you remember, he had a sensational end to the preseason. August 30th at Seattle, he catches eight passes for, I want to say, 125-plus yards, more or less, with three touchdowns forces his way onto the initial 53-man roster in favor of Martavis Bryant as the suspension was looming and, I think, I believe enacted. He's still in that appeal process. Then he plays one game, 16 special team snaps, not appearing on offense. And then Keon Hatcher, a guy who was on the Raiders practice squad for all of 2017, a guy who had finally made the 53-man roster, is on his birthday, 24 years old. He's on his way to a Ruth's, a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in San Francisco. He pays a $6 toll to go from Oakland to San Francisco. And before he can really get off the br- bridge in earnest, he gets a phone call saying, you've been cut. So he gets, Ugh. you know, he turns his vehicle around. He goes back across the bridge, goes to the team facility, does all the paperwork and processing that is required when you get cut. Again, still his birthday. And then he decides, you know what? I'm still going to have that dinner. And so he goes back on the bridge. Now it's $4 toll because it's after 7 p.m. And on September 11th, his 24th birthday, he eats a steak dinner all by himself as he dines over what his future is going to be. And now here he is after everything that's happened to the Raiders wide receiver position. We mentioned LaFell. We mentioned Cooper. Martavis Bryant has a ligament damage. He's not expected to play this game. Jordy Nelson, he's got a knee contusion. He's more in the air. We'll see whether or not he'll be able to go. There's a chance, at least, more so than there is for Martavis Bryant. But now the Raiders find themselves needing Keon Hatcher to do something on offense, and uh, he said it's a, it's like a belated birthday gift, this opportunity that he has. I am looking forward to seeing him back on the roster coming out. Again, the Raiders heading to Baltimore, but we have someone here in studio who's going to head to the East Coast as well. She's heading to Tampa Bay to watch my Niners. I said oh. mine. I said mine. I'm sorry. I, I, All right. I don't like to fan out too Homer. much. But, yeah, Gilbert calls me a homer every time. But <laughs> he's brought up stuff sometimes when I don't bring it up <laughs> because I'm trying to you know, do what I'm supposed to, which is be objective. Anyway, you are going to a game <laughs> where a team that I know very well is going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Megan, your first uh, or second game rather this season was in week four. You were at the Oakland uh, Raiders stadium when they won yes. against the Cleveland wow. Browns. Yeah, I really was considering myself their good luck charm. <laughs> yeah. um, so obviously they didn't need me in Arizona. But yeah, that was uh, that was my second week. I saw you hustling the whole game on the sidelines. We barely, we saw each other. We gave a quick wave. And then we're like, sorry, I have to go this way. I have to go that way. Yeah. yeah, That was awesome. (laughs) So as you're embarking upon this, you, like me, have a very uh, solid core of MMA knowledge and have been with that sport for quite some time. And you also do a lot of desk work with Fox. You do reporting for Fox in the UFC capacity. But now branching out to NFL, what brought on the change? 
Yeah, you know, it was really random. Um, basically, Fox asked me if I would be interested, and I was, but I have a great job with the UFC. I am a UFC employee. When I'm on Fox's air, it's as a UFC employee. Um, so, like, if you see me hosting the desk, I'm still, you know, not employed by Fox. I'm still employed by the UFC. So when they called me, you know, obviously I was over the moon, but then I was like, I need to talk to my boss before I can tell you yes or no. Like, um, you know, I owe it to Dana White. And, you know, if the Fertitas still own, owned the company, I would speak to them as well. But, you know, they have been so generous with the opportunities they've granted me. And even the fact that I'm married to a fighter and, you know, from dating to engagement to being married, they've always been supportive of that. So I just felt like I, I owed it to them to be you know, hey, I got this really cool other job offered to me. Can I do that too? You know, I didn't want to just assume it was okay. So um, the next day I waited outside of Dana's office for a couple of hours until he had some free time. And um, when I told him, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want him to take this the wrong way. Like, like I'm being disrespectful. I'm not appreciative of my job. And he was so thrilled. He literally jumped out of his chair and he was just like, F yes, like, yes. <laughs> and he's like, yes, like, this is so great. Like he was so team Megan. It was amazing. So, um, once I told Fox I could do it, you know, they've, they've been so kind and, you know, obviously, uh, I didn't know what to expect, but after the first game, I, I certainly, I guess did everything all right. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've been presented a lot of opportunities since then. So the next game schedule wise that I could make, um, you know, I did a couple of games in September and now I have this one and, um, I'll be doing some in, in December as well. But, yeah, it's it's it was super random, and it wasn't like, oh, this is my bucket list item. Like, I have to do this. Um, it just worked out, and, and Fox has been so awesome, and they've called the UFC and just said, like, hey, we think she's amazing. We just want you to know that. And so the, it's it's been a really, really cool relationship, a lot of support on both ends. Well, it was Dana's second question to you. Are you covering the Patriots? <laughs> I, well, he was like, what games do you have? And then when I said that I had the Browns and Raiders, yeah. um, every all the executives were super excited because, you know, Hard Knocks was had either just ended or, yeah, yeah Hard Knocks had just ended, I think, when they offered me. No, there's one more episode left. So like, oh, my God. Like, you know, everybody was super invested in the Browns this season because of that show. And then with the Raiders coming to Las Vegas, like, all the executives that Dana told because he kind of like took me around and was like guess what she's doing and they were like that's a great game like you know you wouldn't necessarily think that uh maybe years prior but when you when I said Browns and Raiders it was like oh my gosh those are like that's a game I really want to watch so people were pumped it was cool when we were talking, in fact, about that, Justin Ellis and the injury, and Michael was going through the field, how it was half baseball and half grass. You were nodding yeah. your head. I saw you going, yes, I understand. So wild. Like, you know, obviously, this is my first season, so um, I haven't traveled to a lot of, of the stadiums, and I haven't worked a lot of games yet. Um, I've seen it on TV plenty of times, but to actually be there, and then I'm watching guys switch out their cleats, you know, two and three times during the game, and... Um, it was it was strange. Like a lot of the Browns players, you could tell were not into it, <laughs> rightfully so. You know, I, it, it's just not what they're used to seeing a lot. So it was it was really a unique experience. What do you take away the most from being so close to to the field, that game action, and what are you looking for the most there? Oh my God, what do I take away the most? That they're massive human beings. <laughs> um, I am five feet tall, and um, I do not wear heels on the football field. I'm concerned about functionality and not, you know, necessarily my appearance. But 
oh my god like i didn't know human beings were made that big i'm married to a flyweight you know that is the which sm- is 125 yeah. pounds right, for those who don't know that's the smallest division in the ufc and he's still much bigger than i am so um that's that was my major takeaway and 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 honestly just navigating that a, a football field is massive. You know, we watch it on TV and we're not really understanding what it takes to go from one end to the other, you know, as a as a casual viewer. But once you're on there and figuring out like, okay, I need to go watch this bench or, you know, certainly if there's an injury, you know that that's what you follow. But um, it, it took, a, you know, a few minutes of my first game, which was the Giants versus the Texans to kind of figure out all right, what exactly is happening here? And then, and then you just kind of get a flow for it. You see, like you want to watch your big stars and stuff. And it's been, it's been really cool. That's that to me is just like an art, kind of knowing where to be and and what to watch. You know, because there's so much going on. Well, thank you for joining us in today, and uh, feel free to chime in whenever you want as far as something that we may discuss okay. as, as you sit here along with us. But I'm really glad that you did come in um, for the. San Francisco and the Tampa Bay game once you get down there for you like as a reporter what are you interviewing like what is the first thing that you do when you get there yeah so this week is a little different because of the holiday so um I just had conference calls with some of the players this morning um from the Bucks and then uh, but traditionally um fly in on a Friday morning um get there early go to the home team's practice uh around noon and then you'll interview uh about three or four players and then the head coach and then one of the coordinators so um I work with a really great team which is Kenny Albert and Rondé Barber right. and they are they're honestly the best in the business um and so they come extremely well prepared so I try to make sure my work level is is to their level as well um and so we just we do interviews um and then the following day with when the visiting team flies in if they're coming in that day we do interviews with them in the the their hotel so it'll be the same thing three or four players head coach and coordinator so um for me, it's a ton of prep work because these aren't teams that I've I've worked with before. It's not like fighters, you know, like, right. okay, I've worked with this guy for seven years or this team, you know, they're from American Top Team or whatever it may be. You know, these these are things that I I can't, you know, be ill-informed on. So um, it's it's a lot of work, but it's it's fun. It's it's really different. So doing those pregame interviews, um, everybody's really relaxed. They're very open. It's been a great experience. Uh, it's really awesome that you're joining that fold. I saw one of another person that we both know mutually, Karen Bryant's also yes. doing the same. Yeah. So it's nice to see some other MMA folks that I've kind of had travels with throughout the last, what, seven, eight years. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy is like, I feel like sometimes when people watch our sport, they, they maybe think we do it because, oh, that's the only job they could do. You know, I definitely got that vibe, um, you know, when I first said I was going to do NFL. But then when you realize, like, it takes a lot of work to be an expert or to be, you know, on camera or whatever it may be in in these high-level sports that once Karen or once I stepped on the field – um, they were like, oh, my God, oh, they're, like, really good at their job. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they just do this because they're the only ones who will cover it. It's like, no, we love fighting. That's why we cover it. We yeah. don't do it because we have to. We do it because we love to. And then these other opportunities that come up, they're amazing. And that's, of course, I want to do the NFL. It's the biggest sport you can cover. But um, I can cover it because we as, you know, women who who have been in this industry for a long time, we're, we're talented and we're intelligent and we work hard. It's not because, like, 
oh, we just like oh, we just like fighting, and we live in Vegas. Amen, you sister. Know? Amen. <laughs> so I'm bragging for Heidi since she won't ha- um, brag for herself. That's my mission today. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> well, uh, we will get into some picks later on in the show. So I think we're all doing pretty much the same as far as uh, picking. But when we do pick our teams, you're gonna have to jump in with us too. And okay. We'll add your pick to all the right. fold. Um, but uh, again, let's get back to some of the preparation that we're looking at with the Raiders and and this Baltimore game. And for what it's worth, the Ravens right now are at the top of the the core when it comes to defense. They're number one right now in the NFL overall. And uh, they're a defense that allows less than 300 total yards a game, passing under 205 allowed a game, and rushing on average. This is all on average. And uh, about under, I think it was 92 yards a game. So this is going to be a tough game for the Raiders from an offensive standpoint, especially with the wide receiver core that we had talked about earlier um michael when you look at a guy and this i noticed was a lot of the line of questioning with um john gruden this week like lamar jackson who could possibly still be starting at quarterback for the ravens um, in place of an injured joe flacco what kind of threat does this guy pose to the raiders being somebody that rushed and passed for over 100 yards last week yeah he is a very unique weapon. He's a type of weapon that doesn't come around too often in terms of being a dual threat quarterback. First of all, the way that the Ravens used him, it was a totally different offense by and large when you had the Ravens a bye week in between their Joe Flacco being their quarterback and Lamar Jackson being their quarterback. This morning, I was reviewing film from both of those games, just the start, the first five plays from each, and you wouldn't be able to tell that it was the same coaching staff, that it was the same offensive line, the same wide receivers. They just changed everything because of the quarterback, which, of course, makes sense given the different skill sets. But I thought it was pretty impressive to see how John Harbaugh and his staff took uh, understood what their personnel was and devised their scheme around it, especially in such a short turnaround. And so you have that aspect of, you know, the Raiders have one game really of film off of which to base what – their face uh, from a schematic standpoint this Sunday. And I would doubt that Lamar Jackson carries the football 27 times like he did uh, this past Sunday during a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. But it's going to be a difficult test for a Raiders defense that really pretty much has a difficult test anytime they step on the field because of just where they are at this stage of their personnel development. It's going to take drafts and for agencies and more drafts to get this thing on track. So um, it's going to be a, a very imposing test to see how they slow down, not just the quarterback, but also Gus Edwards, a running back who seemingly came out of nowhere. Yeah. He's an und- undrafted rookie uh, from Rutgers who just is saw, saw a significant rise in usage. Alex Collins took a back seat and Edwards had uh, a, a real impressive outing. And so uh, between the two, uh, the, the, the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and Gus Edwards. I mean, these are two guys who really don't show up a lot on film here in Week 12, which is pretty unique uh, just given how late we are in the 2018 season. And, of course, when you look at, the, on the flip side, the wide receivers with the Ravens, 
Now Michael Crabtree's there, former Raider. So this is the first meeting since uh, he left the team, if I'm not mistaken, where they will face him in another color jersey. So uh, I I know Derek Carr had some words to say. Uh, What exactly is the kind of sentiment with him right now in regards to facing an old teammate? Well, as it relates to Derek Carr, it's all positivity. You know, he says nothing but, you know, positive things as it relates to Michael Crabtree. There's real no bad blood there. You know, no one's going to expect Derek Carr to sprint after Michael Crabtree in pregame warmups and rip off his chain <laughs> off his neck. No. I don't think, anybody, <laughs> I don't think anyone's looking for that. Um, you know, Michael Crabtree, it was his time to go. You know, I don't think he would have been good for this locker room for the season that it's been. Uh, things turned sour between Crabtree and the coaching staffs during a 6-10 and 10 campaign last year, he certainly wouldn't have fared any better during this 2-8 and eight disaster. So I think both parties are, are glad it worked out the way it did work out. Michael Crabtree, he's making just about as much money. I think, it's, I think he's actually making a little bit more than he would have been had the Raiders uh, not cut him. And so he's doing fine. He's playing for a borderline contender here. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be too much of a storyline maybe michael crabtree has a touchdown there's a celebration there some emotion that's there uh, after a big catch but quite frankly lamar jackson he's been so raw as a passer at this early stage in his development he's gonna have to get the ball to crabtree first before any of the other stuff matters yeah and uh I think what really does matter is this is an important game for the Ravens. They're 5-5 five and five right now. Divisionally, this is a game that they need um, to have to, to step up in their own division. But uh, for the Raiders, Gilbert, we had talked earlier about the wide receivers and how the depth chart looks as of right now. A lot of young blood on the Raiders. Yeah. They're definitely going to add more with three first-round draft picks. You've been our guy that tells us what <laughs> maybe the Raiders are looking for. Do you think they're looking for wide receivers, Gilbert? Well, it seemed like they got a good one in Marcel Aitman, a seventh-round pick a year ago from Oklahoma State. Had that big catch for 32 yards, so I guess they're doing kind of well uh, for Marcel Aitman, but you still need more than one receiver. Uh, but I think that will be an option. But when you have so many holes on defense, uh, you Still might you, you got to look that way, too. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, needs. But you have three picks in the first round. And you want to know the updates for, for the for the order? It's always changing every, yes, every, every I, week. Yes, I would love the update. They're not number one anymore. They're number three. Uh, can I say your Niners are number one? Sorry. Yeah, you can say, you can say mine. It's <laughs> you're, okay. no, you're, a true, you're a I'll true pro. I like giving you a hard time. Niners are number one. Cardinals number two, Raiders number three. They all have the same record. They're all two and eight. It was it was a mess, but there's tiebreakers. And then the Raiders have number 17 from the Cowboys. Cowboys keep winning. They're in five and five now. So it's not good for Raider fans who are kind of team tank. And then the last one's uh, number 26 from the Chicago Bears, who are also winning. All right. So if you're going to pick uh, somebody right now, do you have anybody in mind as far as another person the Raiders should look at? We, we've gone through a few. We went through a quarterback <laughs> last week, and, and Michael's like, why would you I do know. that? And the crazy part, I keep looking at mock drafts, and they always have quarterback like in the top three. Oh, I'm poor like, Derek Carr. I know. Derek Carr, you know, a nice guy. And he had a good game a week ago, like that, that game-winning drive. Uh, but they're not really believing in Derek Carr right now for the, the top pick. I mean, for can I, can I say something quick? Go ahead, Michael. Derek Carr had eight interceptions the first five games. He has zero interceptions the most recent five. Wow. He's passing about almost 71% completion rate. That is by far the best in his career. 
He has more yards per attempt than he's ever had at any point in his career, including the 2016 MVP caliber year that he had when the team was 12 and four, averaging more yards per game as well, which bit makes sense, but given the game script, but this is not a guy who is part of the problem given he's by the way, on his fourth offensive play caller in five years, he, we talked a, a lot about the wide receiver core. We can talk just about the same amount of time on the state of the offensive line. Left tackle Colton Miller sprained his right knee for the third time in six games this past Sunday. Uh, Coletio Assembly's playing through injury. Center Rodney Hudson's playing through an ankle injury. Right guard Gabe Jackson's playing through a pectoral injury. I mean, and he's got a, a right tackle who's a rookie, uh, uh, you know, just as his left tackle is a rookie on one leg. And so um, the whole concept that the Raiders could part with Derek Carr. Sorry, I don't know how it's become such a sore <laughs> spot, but they're not going to do it. He's going to they're not drafting a quarterback in the top wherever they're going to be picking with their two and 14 or three and 13 pick. And, you know, when you look at the next-gen stats, just to kind of back up what Michael's saying, you know, right now Derek Carr is way up there, just under Tom Brady in total passing yards on the season. Uh, you know, like you said, Michael, he threw those eight picks, but now he has 12 touchdowns to kind of balance it out. So decent passer rating as well. And, uh, you know, if you look at the top quarterbacks right now, you have obviously Mahomes and Goff at the top there. Drew Brees having a campaign year for MVP, not Super Bowl. They have weapons, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think Derek Carr has done well with what he's had to work with. And I I feel like Michael's so confident they're not going to take a quarterback. I feel like Michael's going to make another bold uh, prediction where like he's going to walk from Oakland to Las Vegas if they draft the quarterback in the first (laughs) round. That's what he said. Yeah. Uh, Is is that is that that about the trade deadline? He's still here. (laughs) I know. I I know. I, 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 I want I want you to take the bait. Yeah, well, we'll wait close to the draft time if, if, if it's all need to <laughs> make, go out in that type of uh No, but I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, Michael. They, they got to go defense. But Derek Carr's been I playing do, great. Okay, I do want to hear your uh, your draft. I wonder if... We've all been waiting now. It's like, yeah. what, not even Thanksgiving. The draft's in April. It's, no one's going to care, but... Uh, so the guy I'm seeing right now is uh, Montez Sweet, defensive event from Mississippi State. I think he's a guy they could get, you know, between the middle round, but... No quarterback. I'm. I don't want to get. I don't want to get Michael on my bad side. I know. Good so, man. I'm, I'm, Good so I'm going all defense until April because I don't want to get Michael on my bad side. All right. So look out for Montez. Sweet or no? Sorry, sweat. My bad. Mississippi State. If you're watching college football on Saturday, he might be a guy for the Raiders defensive end. They need help at the D lineman spot. So worry about the defense. I hope you're still joining us when you move on to your new <laughs> position to come in and talk about some draft picks. Yeah, I want to. When, it, when it's draft time, can we talk a Chargers draft and Raiders? Is, is, that, uh, is, that, is, that, is that wrong? Is AFC West rivalry? Vegas Nation. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> we, we can't go like West Coast Nation? or. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that we can. Let's stick it to, stick it to the Raiders on, on this show as we do every week. Um, but uh, lastly, let's go ahead and move it into our picks of the week. Uh, last week, we all picked the Cardinals. And then what ended up happening was I think Michael and I were both saying that we have to see it to believe it to be able to mm-hmm. pick the Raiders so Michael now that you've seen a win out of the Raiders albeit against a team that only had two wins as well going in to the competition that happened last Sunday are you going to pick the Raiders to start a win streak here in Baltimore no I'm not sorry not a chance no I mean 
I was kicking myself for that past game on Sunday because I usually if, I, if I'm really close and I, 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 it's kind of a coin toss, I usually go up to the veteran quarterback. And then here you are, a close game. And right. Derek Carr has an incredible throw to Marshall Aitman. And then he changes the play and gets Seth Roberts in the right position off of a blitz. And they get in a field goal position. And I was kicking myself. This one, I, I think it's less of a coin flip. There is, again, a rookie quarterback. The Raiders right now, they have two wins on the season. One was against the number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. One was against the number 10 overall pick in Josh Rosen. And now here we are, Lamar Jackson was picked later in the first round. Uh, might they go 3-0 and against quarterbacks from the 2018 draft class? I'm going to say no just because of the threat that is imposed with that run game. It's not like Lamar Jackson has to beat the Raiders with his arms. He's far more dynamic than that. And this defense, as you mentioned, number one in the NFL, Eric Weddle, and just the wide receiver core that the Raiders are trotting out. Um, we still can't say definitively as we chat right now whether or not Jordy Nelson's going to be there and some of the roles. And so... Uh, for me, I, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Raiders are going to have a tough time scoring. Uh, we'll call it 23-10. to 10. Okay. I almost went as well with uh, the Raiders winning last week. but uh, And mine was just more of a gut. It was. But I didn't do it. So I can't sit there and say, I would have. I could have. <laughs> but I, I guess I didn't. I didn't. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Ravens, too. And I think it's mainly on defense um, that they're going to be able to come through. Plus, with the running game and the way that they've been able to, on average, hold back teams from having 100-yard games and scoring, I think that'll be the big key of the game. And so I will take the Ravens. I'm going to keep it in about a 30 to – I'm going to give Derek Carr a couple more touchdowns to keep that streak going. I'm going to give it to 30-17. Oh, that's what I was thinking in my head. Oh, Megan, okay, should <laughs> I move to Gilbert and give you some time? I mean, no, that's what I was thinking. I, I I don't like doubting Derek Carr, though. He's my guy. He was so nice that, you know, now I got a root for him, right? Like, nice. Yeah, let's forget all the injuries and players they traded away since I worked that game. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's a no. brand new team. Right. Yeah. No, it, it, it is. It really is between the people who are, you know, injured and, and then who they got rid of uh, after that. But, yeah, I, that score was perfect. I think with you having been on the sideline when they got their first win and now that you're on the Vegas Nation – Mm-hmm. which is also available on iTunes. You yes. Just subscribe there. <laughs> but uh, I think that this will bring them maybe a little luck. This I week. hope so. Yeah. They were so great. And Coach Gruden was so passionate. He's like the most passionate guy I've ever met in sports. I'm, I, he's got the desire to win. More passionate than Dana. Yeah. Wow. That, half, that halftime interview I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 30-17. That's mine as well. Perfect. So you're going Ravens. Yeah, I don't like to Man. go against Derek Carr, but That's yeah. Three people. Sh- sh- well, where are you I, going, Gilbert? It's my final show. Final pick. Should I go Raiders? Ah. No, not for your final pick. <laughs> I know, go out on top. Yeah. <laughs> or or just be a, a, I guess a... Oh, no, I mean, or, you should go for the Raiders. Sorry, I thought oh. you said Ravens. Oh, no, 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 no. You should no, go no, for the no, Raiders no. for sure oh, for your final oh, okay. show. Say. Yeah. Uh, all Ravens? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I should, you know... Leave on good terms with the Raiders, too. Yeah. Because like, I know John Gruden hears the show often, right? John Gruden likes to watch. He's an listen, avid listener. Yeah, he likes podcasts, right? Every time yeah. I see him, he's like, good job. He probably I heard Megas on the show. He's like, I got to listen this <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah. So, no. uh, uh, Whatever. I'm going to do it. All right. Raiders going to pull it out. Yeah. They, they got momentum from that game against the, the Cardinals. Uh, Daniel Carson got the game-winning field goals. That locker room was ecstatic. They were thrilled breaking that five-game uh, losing streak. So I'm going all in. They're going to Baltimore. They're going to get that win. 
I'm going to go 17, 14, Raiders, Dan Carson, back-to-back game-winning kicks. And Lee if, Smith. If you're, oh, go ahead, Lee Smith. <laughs> Lee Smith's going to have an 86-yard touchdown just like his number because Gilbert was talking to Lee Smith. That's right. He's not going to grab anybody. <laughs> no more grabbing the coach, too. <laughs> yeah, if Gilbert's wrong, he's got to walk to Los Angeles. That's how it's going to work. Okay. All right. Uh, no, actually, no. <laughs> no, I got to take you. I almost bid on that. No. All right. So you can catch uh, all our episodes here at Vegas Nation uh, available on iTunes as well as on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast. Make sure to check out every episode. And again, all of Michael's work and Gilbert's last work as well with the power rankings and all will be in the paper and as well as online for this week of the NFL season. So catch up there again uh, to follow us all on Twitter. You got at Gelkin NFL for Michael. Gilbert is at G Monzano 24. I'm at Heidi Fang and Megan is at Megan Olivi. Yeah. So you can nice. keep up with all of us there. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for coming yes. in. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and we will be back next week to talk more (laughs) Raiders. Um, Good luck, Gilbert. We're going to miss you, Gilbert. Best of luck. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you guys, Raiders. It was always fun. One of the highlights of my week all the time. You guys are great. You guys, you know, keep Vegas Nation alive. There's music for me, Larry? Uh, Larry's here, by the way. Larry's always great to be too. Our producers bringing it home. Voice of Men for me. How'd you know my favorite song? (laughs) (laughs) all right larry heidi michael heidi uh, megan all you guys are great thank you thank you gilbert and uh wish you all the best man appreciate it